Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com modern. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Two Player Split Screen, episode 17, if my numbers are correct. Yeah, I think that's how counting works. Sure. Uh, as always, I'm one of your hosts, Tyler Berry, sitting across from me, the one, the only, Blake Schultz. Hey, everyone. Oh, uh, Blake, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Just been busy playing uh, so many games. So many games. The Uncharted Collection, mm-hmm. the Super Meat Boy that was re-released, mm-hmm. the Star Wars Battlefront beta. Yep, and we're uh, going to get into all of that today. Uh, but first, uh, we've got a new Amiibo pre-order that just went up today. So I want yeah. to talk about that for a minute. Uh, yeah, so it was Falco, the last of the non-DLC characters to be announced for the Super Smash Brothers wave. Woo! Uh, so we're through it. If you're not interested in the DLC people, we're, we're pretty much through it. Um, it turned out to be a Best Buy exclusive uh-huh. and went up for pre-order today. For whatever reason, it didn't let you choose a store for a long time, but they seemed to resolve that problem quickly. I think we both got ours pre-ordered. Yep. Um, which, I mean, when you compare it to any other way of this, it was such a one-and-done, easy thing. Like, it seems like usually there was, like, announcement, pre-orders going live at this time. It's going to be exclusive. You have 30 seconds, where this was just like, here, it's up, go. Yeah, and Best Buy kind of just sent out a tweet, like, I think, like, 45 minutes or an hour before it went live. I'm just like, yeah, hey, you're going to, you can pre-order Falco today. Yeah. Cool, have fun. It seems like the exclusives are really starting to be the way to go. Like, it, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they just condense their inventory into one area, and it's really simple. Did you see if it was still live? Like, I don't know. I didn't see... I kind of, like, stopped paying attention as soon as I pre-ordered yeah. it, and as soon as you texted me saying that you pre-ordered it. So, I don't know if it's still up, or how long it... I think it's still going. Really? Okay, yeah. well, that's so a good it, sign. It's definitely still going. Because um, that was at, like... I was at, like, 9.30 or 10 this morning. Yeah, that, it was uh, definitely that that early happened, that so. it all went down. Um... And it's funny to think, I was thinking about this the other day when, and I'll probably actually write an article about it tonight for our website, but um, Wave 1, outside of those three, weren't too bad, outside of Marth Villager and uh, We Fit Trainer, and We Fit Trainer, who got discontinued right away. And then Wave 2 was a mess oh, of just release patterns. Mm-hmm. And Wave 3, which was when we kind of got hooked in, we managed to pre-order all of them basically in a day. Yep. Wasn't terrible. And I was kind of like looking back on it, it really hasn't been as horrendous as I think a lot of people have been like, oh my God. Like if you're kind of just like on it, it's really not the worst thing in the world. And especially now that the restocks are coming in, there were still Greninja's, Lucario's, Marth's, Meta Knight's at the Best Buy over by us a few days ago. And I was just like, oh, so it's, we're all fine now. Like, yeah, I'd agree with you with the exception of that, that, uh, was it wave four, that staggered Amazon release. Oh, yeah. Cause I still don't have Robin or Lucina and because imagine, of that. Yeah. I imagine that those will be the next restock. I hope so. Cause it seems like now Nintendo's just kind of picking a few of the like rarer characters and being like, here you go. Mm-hmm. But speaking of rare restocks, uh, we also got word that Villager is going to be restocked as a Toys R Us exclusive. Yeah, that was that was sort of unexpected, and I, I don't think a lot of people are super happy about it. No, they aren't, but, I mean, when you compare, like, if you look at it, Lou, Falco is exclusive, and it seems like everybody's been able to grab him so far. Mm-hmm. Bowser Jr. was exclusive, and he was everywhere. Right. I was just at Target, and the only amiibo they had in stock was Dr. Mario, and there was a wall of them. So it and the retro three pack was overly abundant. Yeah. So for the rarest, probably the rarest character that we've had yet, to be coming back as good, and to be exclusive to somewhere where they can just condense all the inventory into one place, is probably kind of the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's a that's a good point. As long as they, yeah, as long as they make a a, a decent amount of them. Yeah. So that like the people who really need to get them can get them. 
Right. And I think people were mostly upset because um, I know my Falco today was like 10 bucks because of however Best Buy worked. I don't even think I got my gamer club on it. Yeah, you did. Uh, I hope I did. If you didn't, it, I mean, if you didn't, then that's a problem because I definitely got mine. It yeah. ended up being like $11 and like 33 cents or something yeah. like that. But Toys R Us has a dollar more on all of their Amiibos anyways, so I think people were more upset that they have to give the thirteen ninety nine instead of the twelve yeah, ninety nine. Okay. I mean if you're tripping over a dollar then you probably shouldn't be worrying about buying them anyway. Right. Like, that sounds kinda like that sounds kinda mean, but like I mean if if really an extra dollar is making you that upset, then you probably actually have way more important things to Right pay money for right. than a toy so i think we should i mean i think we're at a point now where we should just be focusing on nintendo's listening to their fans mm-hmm. they're restocking things abundantly there's no more like huge scalper problems every retailer is limiting one per everything so it's kind of where it should be and granted it took it a year but this was still something that nobody expected to cascade the way yeah. it did no absolutely so I think it's all well and good now. Yeah, and then uh, the other quick little thing that was sort of a, a going along with that reveal, even though they technically didn't reveal it, is it's looking like, based on the picture that we saw from Toys R Us, that uh, the Mega Yarn Yoshi is yeah. going to be a Toys R Us exclusive. It was like, the in the picture, it was like grayed, <laughs> grayed out, and it looked like a, just like a kind of like a silhouette of Of a it, giant Yoshi. It's gigantic, and it looks exactly like Yoshi, so it looks like Mega Yarn Yoshi, the $40 Amiibo is going to be exclusive to Toys R Us. Ugh, and then this Friday, all the other Yoshi Amiibos will be upon us. Yeah, yeah, and finally, it seems like we've been talking about it forever, but finally, Yoshi's Woolly World is going to be released on Friday, uh, standalone and complete with uh, the green Yarn Yoshi, and then... I pres- I presume places are going to be stocked with the blue and pink yarn Yoshi's. Yeah. I, I would think. it. It's honestly been such... It's been a weird kind of phenomenon c- considering the fact that hasn't Yoshi's Woolly World been out in like every other market for months for, since like May or something like yeah. that? Like it came out a long time ago, even in the UK. So if you've had an itch to get those yarn Yoshi's, you've had plenty of time to get them now. I... I, for one, am just going to grab the bundle because yeah. I only want one of the Yoshis anyway. So I think if I'm going to get the Mega Yarn, I was thinking about this because I'm probably going to end up getting that Mega oh, one. Oh, I'm, I'm getting that for sure. So I might pick up the regular game and maybe a blue Yoshi. Oh, well, yeah, all right. We'll see what happens. You're going to pay more money that way, though, I know, aren't you? May, I don't know. Because it's 59 for uh for, for the, the bundle. bundle, and then it's yeah, presumably, I would assume it's going to be 49 for the game yeah. and then... 14 plus tax right. for the Amiibo, yeah, so I don't know. you'll probably pay... I mean, you pay a few bit more bucks, but... We'll see how it goes. Yeah. But I'm excited for those Yarn Yoshis. Oh, yeah, I'm stoked. <laughs> I'm stoked to finally have one in my hand, because, you know, I've been seeing pictures of them for yeah. months and months now, and I've, I've like, been excited about it since the day they announced it in that right. Nintendo Direct, but so like I just haven't been able to get my hands on one right. yet. Well, because uh, it doesn't exist right. in our country. Well, yeah, not in our country. <laughs> I, I've been tempted so many times to buy one... I've through, thought uh, about it, but I think since so many people are importing, that the stock here is going to be very plentiful. Because like the yeah, people who really so. want it are probably already scooping them up. Yeah, I hope I hope I hope you're right about that because I would I, I very much want one of those in my hand. Oh yes, they're going to be great. All right, um, let's transition to something we'll probably start doing a lot more of uh, after our amiibo. Uh, personal amiibo craze dies down which is a uh, kind of talk about you know more uh more of the indie market in yeah. terms of games so i just thought we'd talk about one game which i'm super excited for and i think after oh, yeah. you took a big long look at it you're extremely excited for it and uh, that game is called firewatch um if you're not familiar with this game it's the first game developed by campo santo which is a studio founded by Jake Rodkin and Sean Vanneman. Uh, they were the creative leads on Telltale's Walking Dead Season 1. <laughs> uh, two extremely talented guys, and it looks like they're taking their talents of storytelling and story-driven games and putting it in, in this game, Firewatch. Um, they announced a release date yesterday. It's going to be February 9th, 2016. 
And, you know, if you haven't seen anything about it, I really encourage you guys to go check it out. Um, IGN, a few months back, did their, like, IGN first all about Firewatch, and they've got, like, a gameplay video with, like, 17 minutes of gameplay, and they've got a couple developer diaries, and it looks like a really interesting game. It's kind of, like, kind of feels like a telltale story-driven game, but the art direction almost reminds me of Team Fortress 2. yeah. Is that the kind of vibe, kind of the vibe you were getting too? I mean, you can't see any character models or anything because it's a first-person game and you're sort of like alone. Yeah, uh, like the only person you're in contact with is like your uh, your superior who you talk to over walkie-talkie. But like right. in terms of character models, you don't really see anyone. But graphically, the environments kind of have that Valve like Team Fortress Two yeah. vibe to them. What you What do you think about it? I know. Had you had you really heard about it before I mentioned not it to you? Too much. Okay. Um, yeah, not too much at all. I'd heard the name, but I hadn't really seen much about it. It sounds great. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds like just the kind of like really story driven. Like it's the mystery. Yeah. You can only really communicate with your superior, mm-hmm. and it sounds like there are a lot of the choices in the games instead of it being this like catastrophic event or like good and evil, like black and white choices that we see in a lot of video games. It instead just either like damages or strengthens this really interpersonal relationship that you have, Mm -hmm. which is such a different way for that to work in a video game. Like I know a lot of the, I know there was a lot of fatigue, at least from me years ago on the 360 when like every game was like, you're going to be good or you're going to be bad. Like they had the, Web of Shadows game, the prototype game, the darkness, like almost every game. The second prototype game. The second (laughs) prototype game. Right, right. Infamous. Mm -hmm. Everything had this kind of shoehorned, like, choices are amazing. But all they ever really did was either make you, like, good or bad. And it was very, there wasn't really a middle ground. And this sounds like they're really trying to make it more like a human connection where it's complicated and each choice is like, this is good for me, but it's going to hurt this. But in the long run, they'll see why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the art style, I kind of like that. It looks more like team fortressy. Oh, I think it's, I think it's a gorgeous looking game just based on the, on the like 20 or so minutes of gameplay that I saw. It looks fantastic. Oh yeah. But I think too, that helps a lot with the uh, really kind of dark themes that seem to be going on when Mm -hmm. you have, it's not as heavy in the art style, so it almost gives it a nice kind of balance. balance. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, if, if just like a quick little thirty second like breakdown of the story based on what we know, uh, your character is this guy named Henry who uh, kind of has a dark setup. His marriage is falling apart. He's gotten into a little bit of trouble with the law due to his uh, excessive drinking and. Uh, he takes this job in the wilderness of Wyoming at this natural national forest as a what's called a fire watcher. So basically, he's keeping he's keeping his eye on and making sure you know there's no like brush fires or forest fires Not that are going on. Not unlike Smokey the Bear, exactly. Uh, kind of like our modern day human version of Smokey the Bear. Yes. But uh, but the setup is that. It's a first-person experience where you're sort of on your own and your only means of communication with anyone else is via your walkie-talkie with your supervisor, this woman named Delilah. And uh, throughout the game, your relationship with Delilah is influenced by your dialogue choices. So, you know, if you're if you have a dialogue choice where you can be sweet as opposed to snarky, that are, that'll move your relationship in a different direction as opposed to like if you're just being a sarcastic asshole to her all the time. Right. So and based on the few dialogue choices that I saw in the gameplay video, it looks like there's a lot of different ways you can really go with it in terms of like the different like dialogue trees and stuff. Yeah. So it looks really awesome. And uh I guess the main setup for the game is like you're you're trying to uncover clues about uh, all these mysterious occurrences that are happening in this forest. Like one of the first things that you encounter is uh, you see a person on top of a hill uh, and who you don't think is supposed to be there. And then a few minutes later, as the sun goes down, you go back to your like uh, your like command post, like your little like tower where you're like home base is and it's been 
broken into and ransacked and uh, your typewriter has been thrown out the window onto the ground and you're just kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And it doesn't seem like Delilah either really knows what's going on or she's trying to make it seem like she doesn't know what's going on. So it's kind of just a game about mystery and intrigue and trying to figure out what's going on in this forest along with trying to figure out like what's going on with your character personally. Yeah. So I'm I'm beyond excited for it. I'm really excited that we're not too much further out from this game. Yeah, no, I think that's going to be really good. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, so, uh, that'll be something we do pretty much every week now, kind of, like, talk a little bit about either, uh, an indie game coming out or, or something being done by Kickstarter. Oh, which, why don't we spend just a minute on that before we wrap the segment up. Did you see the Friday the 13th game Kickstarter yeah. that went up yesterday? That looks fun. Yeah. That looks interesting. Um, awesome. Yeah, I'm really stoked about that. They're asking for a decent chunk of change. Like, I think they want $700,000 for this game. So it sounds like it's not going to be a small experience by any means. Um, no, it sounds like it's going to be a fully-fledged, huge game. Um, which is good, because we have not had a lot of good slasher games in the past. Yeah, and we've never had a good Friday the 13th nope. game, and that's sort of like the we've angle. We've had, um, oh man, that TurboGrafx-16 game where you played as somebody kind of like Jason. It was really, really violent. They did a remake of it for the 360. I don't remember this at all. Oh man, this is going to kill me. Oh, I'll figure it out. I think it was also on the SNES. I really don't, yeah, I this that does not ring a bell. Splatterhouse. Oh, Splatterhouse, okay, all right. Splatterhouse was the best Friday the 13th game we've ever had. Well, okay, so just a quick little <laughs> bit about the game. Um, it's being developed by Gun Media, which is not, uh, a, not a developer I'm super familiar with. Nope. But uh, it sounds like they're really trying to do the character of Jason Voorhees and this franchise justice by doing this game. Um, right now... The Kickstarter's at $125,000, and it's still got over a month to go. So I think it's safe to say that this game is probably going to get made. So yeah, that's something uh, to keep your eye on. And if you haven't and you want to, you should definitely go kickstart it. I'm thinking about doing it myself, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about that in the future. Oh, yeah. Is there any fear of licensing with that? Like, will they... I... I've got to imagine they've are. got they've got the blessing or like they've gotten the rights that they need to. Yeah. You, I mean, you you would have to think so, right? Yeah, I think so. You never know with those things. They always oh, come up and down. One of the one of the major members on board is Sean S. Cunningham who produced the original, let's see, he produced the Last House on the Left, the original, and oh. then he directed and produced Friday the 13th. Oh, so, so that'll do it. So that'll do it, yeah. yes. Awesome. So uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about that in the future. Oh, but, definitely. But uh, why don't we take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about this Star Wars Battlefront beta. Sweet. So stick around. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to episode 17 of Two Player Split Screen. For our next segment, why don't we get into some Star Wars Battlefront beta impressions? Yeah, uh, yeah. I had a lot of time to play this over the weekend, and uh, I, I think you dove into it quite a bit. Um, yeah. Before we even get into it, you can go check out uh, some of my impressions. I, I wrote an article about it that went up on Monday over on ModernNostalgiaProductions.com, which is our website. Uh, you can check that out and see a little bit more in depth about what I thought about this beta. But um, why don't you just give me a little bit of what your initial impressions were with this game? Uh, it looks gorgeous. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing that I noticed, was that it just looks beautiful. 
Uh, it plays really, really well. Um, I still want a campaign. Yep. Like, it still feels like a really good multiplayer experience. Um, and into that, it's a really good shooter game. I'm not convinced that it's a really good Star Wars game yet. Mm-hmm. Where, like, I just kind of feel more generic and soldiery than I want to. And I think a big part of that is because it is just a multiplayer and it is just a beta, so it is just, like, dropping in and seeing the stuff. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it plays really good. There's a lot of really fun elements to it. I really liked being able to just kind of pick up the power-ups as they came. Uh, I thought it handles really, really well. It Again, the graphics are beautiful. The design is really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like they really do care about making the, it look like a Star Wars game. Um, yeah, everything. The only thing I didn't really care for was the vehicles. Those felt really flimsy. Yeah. Like, the controls just didn't feel very tight. I just, going along with that, I completely agree. I just, I really didn't care that much for the whole Walker Assault mode. Like, the idea behind it is awesome. Like, 20 on 20 is really cool. You've got the AT-ATs, and, like, if you're the Rebels, you're you're basically trying to uh, establish and defend these, like, uplink stations so that you can call in Y-Wings in order to try and bring down those AT-ATs. But... What I noticed, I don't know if you ran into this uh, when you were playing, but it seems like really hard for the Rebels to win in that mode. Yeah. And I I talk about that in my article a lot because it just seems like an unbalanced game mode that definitely caters toward the Empire. Uh, And the main reason why it goes along with what you were just saying, which is about the vehicles that are hard to control, like the Y-Wings are tough to pilot, and you kind of just get thrust into them. Like, they don't yeah. give you... I mean, it's it's the beta, so you would like to think that there's going to be some kind of tutorial or, like, little, like, free roam pre- or, like, practice mode where you can get used to handling those vehicles. But yeah. when, when you're a rebel and your goal is to use your tow cables to bring down those AT-ATs just like Skywalker did in the movie, it's a lot harder to do that than it is to be in an ATAT and just walk, walk. it forward <laughs> basically like it just seemed really unbalanced and unless you have really skilled rebel pilots on your team you're not winning that mode well and i even remember the first round of that i played when it finished up and the scoreboard came up there was like one guy in the empire that had like 90 kills to his one death yep. and i immediately was like oh well that's the guy who's in the ATAT and then i was like oh well so he just got like a boatload of experience, yeah. which means now he's going to have a boatload more weapons that I'm not going to have. Cause like, that was definitely something that I felt very quickly too, is that I started a game and was like, Oh, I keep dying. Oh, cause everybody here already has like these huge giant weapons. And I just have the like starter blaster. So it didn't really feel like they were making an effort to like put you with like the right leveling system. See, that's funny because I I felt that way during the first couple of games, but as soon as I was able to hit rank two and it opened up like one other one other weapon that I could get and I could get it right away, I sort of felt like it got a lot more balanced. Then. Yeah, I I I am worried that that's gonna be an issue in the main game when when you can get higher ranks and you can unlock more and more weapons and power ups yeah. and stuff, but. I, I didn't have a super tough time competing in the beta after those first initial like two or three games. But yeah, that is something that I'm a little concerned about is how easy it's going to be to jump in when you're having to play with kids who have eight, nine, ten hours a day to, day to play this or yeah. other people who have all this time to play it because it feels like it could end up suffering from, from like call of duty or even battlefield battlefield syndrome where it's just like, if you, if you're late to the party at all, you're going to have to spend a lot of time being frustrated and trying to just catch up if they don't do the matchmaking correctly, which as much as they games always say they they're trying to better matchmaking. I can't think of one game I've played where I've been like, what excellent match. Halo two was the closest I think Hmm. that I can think of. 
But yeah, well, because it, and it's always, I'm even, or Splatoon was actually pretty good about it. But even that, like every now and then I'd hit people who were like level 30 when I was like level yeah. 10. And I was like, well, no. like Yeah, I noticed that a few times playing Splatoon with you too, that it would just like, most games would be fine, but then there would definitely be some games where it's like, I'm level 9 and you've got three level 25s on the other team or something like yeah. that. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can they can perfect that balance. But yeah, the the whole Walker assault mode was really it, it, it concerns me a little bit that that just might be an unbalanced game yeah. mode. And I was reading some other people's impressions on it, and they said they they could see it as almost like a good thing. And I'm not really mm. on the same page about that because it's like well. If you're on the uh, if you're on the imperial side, then you're gonna have you're gonna have a great time with it, and you're gonna get a lot of experience. And you know, if you're on the rebel side, then maybe they could do more. And it's like if you're on the rebel side and you win, then you get even extra experience and extra unlockables. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, but or you could just make it more balanced. If there's a game mode that favors the rebellion. I'll be okay. okay with it. Yeah, all right. That's if, a, that's actually a really good point. And I don't I can't think of too many moments in the original trilogy that would favor the rebellion. Right. But maybe that could even be like whatever the Jakku stuff is going to be or like I don't know, the indoor battle. Like give me something where the rebels sort of automatically triumph. Um cuz I know that they keep also kind of being like, "Oh, this story is sort of like woven into the multiplayer which just stop it's, it's not that's that, what titanfall said yep. and that was a load of crock just about to say that like, no you're absolutely right yeah that's that's not a thing and stop saying that it is it until i'll believe it when one game actually accomplishes that yeah weaving a real story into a multiplayer experience i'm not sure how you can actually do it yeah so just Stop with that BS. Like I, no, no one, just no make one's a story gonna believe it. Yeah, just make me a story mode. Yep. I know that there's a marginal amount of people that don't touch story mode in Call of Duty and just play the multiplayer, but there's also a lot of people, especially with Star Wars, that are like, "Give me the story mode. Let me explore the world and be a Jedi or be a bounty hunter. Don't just make me cannon fodder." In a giant multiplayer yeah. map where one of the modes I just lose, and that's the, how it goes. I know a lot of people that solely buy FPSs for the yeah. single-player experience. I mean, hell, I I bought Battlefield Hardline for the single-player experience because I knew it was going to be this kind of cool, like, epi- episodic, like, almost like cop procedural yeah. type thing that you'd see on TV. So I thought that was pretty cool. And, you know, I I barely touched that multiplayer. I, but, I buy most of my first-person yeah. shooters to play the story mode. I can't spend enough time with one game to only concentrate on multiplayer. Yeah. And that's why, e- even as much as I like the beta, I don't know if this is a day one purchase for me I or don't. Not. See, and the problem is that if it's not a day one purchase, I'm going to fall behind and it, not be good enough to actually enjoy the game. Exactly. And it goes back to what we were just... That, that just furthers our point from a couple minutes ago. Like, it's going to be hard if we don't start off day one. And now, they did announce... Three new modes yesterday, which they sound really cool, so I'll just uh, sound these off real quick. Uh, first one's called Hero Hunt. It's basically a seven versus one mode. One player begins as a hero or villain character, while the other seven play as either rebels or imperial forces. And uh, the person that kills the hero slash villain takes their place. Rack up the most time as the hero or villain before the match is over and you win. That's awesome. Now, that sounds really fun. That sounds great. Uh, next one is Cargo. Basically, uh, Star Wars Capture the Flag. Yeah. And I love CTF yeah. in games. I love CTF and Halo and stuff like that. So that sounds really fun. Um, and then the last one is called Droid Run. Droid Run. Sorry. Uh, it says, described as one of the game's more unpredictable and fast mode modes, this game type sees players fighting to control three mischievous, quotes G and K droids. There are three active objectives, objectives on the map that you need to control. These aren't just any objectives. What you need to do to get a hold of are three different G and K droids. What's particularly charming with these is that they're all moving and have to be caught before the capture process can start. This creates a more dynamic and action-filled experience. 6v6 matches 
your objective is to capture and hold all three droids before the 10-minute match is up. Hmm. Weapon pickups on the map, no hero or villain characters or vehicles. Hero hunt so that sounds, sounds like the fun. Best. Yeah. Uh, I think all those sound fun, but yeah, hero hunt sounds like the most interesting and sort of unique. Like it, yeah. it kind of kind of takes on that sort of like kind of what Evolve tried to do with like a 4v1 type thing where the one is way stronger, but yeah. this sounds a lot more fun because everybody in the match has the possibility of becoming the one. Right. So that sounds really fun. So, yeah, the beta's done, but uh, yesterday uh, EA released all those announcements. And one final announcement they released, which isn't really a huge deal, but I thought it was a little bizarre. They announced today that uh, Battle... Uh, did I say Battlefield? Battlefront won't have any dedicated chat. Voice chat. Voice chat. Yeah. So, I mean, what that means at the end of the day is you just have to use your party chat uh, clients on your Xbox, PlayStation, or whatever third-party chat client you have on the PC. Yeah. It's not a big deal, but it's, it's a little strange. weird for a strictly multiplayer game. Right. Like, you would think that it'd have a dedicated voice client like, in the game. It seems like a thing that just about every game comes with. Like, I, I don't even ever think about it unless it's a no. Nintendo game where they just don't have voice right, chat. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I saw that pop up on my on my feed today, and I just thought that was... I, I wonder if that's the way we're going to go. Like, with all, these, with all these different options to chat with multiple people at the same time like yeah whether it's your party chat clients on your consoles whatever third party uh, chat clients you're using on your pc or even like google hangouts or skype or uh, facetime or anything else like you have all these options to chat with multiple people at the same time like is that maybe the way more games are gonna go to so they can sort of concentrate on programming elsewhere in the game instead of worrying about getting a dedicated client a chat right. client figured out like that's i don't know if that's a sign of things to come or if it was just i don't know maybe it was just one thing that they just couldn't get perfect in this particular game because i mean dice has done it before i all the other like battlefield games have had dedicated yeah. chat clients so i don't know it just it was a little bizarre piece of news nothing like nothing to get up in arms about but i just thought it was i just thought it was kind of interesting right um, did you have anything else about it? No, not really. I think that was just about it. Um, I'm not convinced to buy it, which is weird, because I'm such a big Star Wars person. Yeah, and I'm not convinced to buy it, even though I really, really liked it. Oh, I guess that's the other thing we should talk about. Uh, the, they announced a $50 season nope. pass. Nope, never season. I don't do, no. I hate season passes. I think they're dumb. I refuse to do it. It, that... That brings it up to $110 plus tax if you want the full Battlefront experience. Yeah, no. I, uh, no. That's, an ins that's a lot of money. If you're going to ask me to do... This is the same thing that Arkham Knight did. When I was like, if you're going to demand for more of my money for a full game, you better tell me what I'm getting. And that's the thing. They're, and they never they're being, do. They're being, as, they're being as vague as Warner Brothers was being about yeah. the Arkham Knight. They never pass, do. All the so. way back to Dead Rising 3 mm -hmm. on the Xbox One launch. They were like, buy this season pass. You'll get DLC when it happens. And I was like, what will that DLC be? We don't know yet. Well, you, what if I don't want that? And, like, yeah, and Warner Brothers kind of shot themselves in the foot because apparently all of that Arkham Knight DLC has not been great No, by any means. It hasn't been good. It hasn't been anything that's made me interested to come back to the game. It had, like, if I had been, I'd be so mad. Also, like, you get, you move on from games. Like, what if the DLC gets delayed? Look at Injustice. I don't even think we ever got the last two characters that he kept hinting about. Oh, yeah, I like, forgot all about that. that you had a season pass that was four characters. You didn't know who they were. One of them ended up being Scorpion, which I didn't mind, but people got mad about because it's a DC game. Then he was like, we're going to do four more characters, and you got Zatanna, and you got the Martian Manhunter, and that was it. Yeah. That was the end of that story. It never got brought up again. He moved on to Mortal Kombat X, which did the same thing. And then I was like, well, who am I getting? And they were like, mm, you'll find out later. And I was like, no, I'm out. Sorry. Yeah, I, the, the only game I've done a season pass for 
ever was year one of Destiny when they told me exactly what I was getting. I'm getting two expansion packs that further the story of Vanilla Destiny. And I was like, okay, that, that's fair. It was $30, not 40 or 50 which yeah. was fine. And I have no regrets about doing that, even though Crota's End was meh. But still, uh, at the end of the day... I don't feel like I got ripped yeah. off by any means for that $30 that I spent. But that's because they told me at least somewhat what I was actually getting and they how it was going to break down when it, yeah, sort of when it was going to come out. And it, it was good enough that it made me feel okay about dropping that $30 the day that Destiny yeah. came out. So. I did do it with Bioshock Infinite, which actually made me angry because I really wanted to trade that game in at some point. And that last bit of DLC, the Under the Sea Part 2, took a year to the day that game came out to actually exist. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I can't do anything with this game. It's taking up space. It's losing its value. So by the time I actually play this 20-minute thing that I've already paid for, it's going to be five bucks, and then it's going to sit on the shelf and do nothing. Yeah. Um, and Beyond the Sea kind of wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. It was a really lackluster part of Bioshock. I have no qualms with DLC. I know a lot of people are back and forth on it. I, I am think fine DLC, with DLC. Don't insist that I pay yes. you another video game for nothing. Yes. For, for <laughs> And not even for any, not only for nothing right then, but not even really any information. That it's, would be like if you went to go see Age of Ultron and Marvel was like, would you also like to buy a ticket to Captain Marvel, Black Panther, and our mystery movie in 2020? You'd be like, no, I will do that when I'm at the theater, but Black Panther and Ms. Marvel have already been delayed, and I don't know what your movie is going to be in 2020. It might be Squirrel Girl. I don't want to watch that movie. See, that's a good example for probably everyone except me, because I'd be like, I mean, fuck it. Like, <laughs> I mean, I know I'm going to go see those. I don't know that I'm going to be playing Battlefront in a year, but I know yeah. I'm going to go see whatever Marvel movie comes out because I have yet to find one that I don't like. Point. So, And I kind of think you would probably do the same thing. I would still probably just buy it when I'm there. Unless it was a discounted well, option. That's what, yeah, that's what I mean. If it was a discounted yeah. option. But it's neither here nor there. Um, I just think they're, yeah, I think they're doing the same thing that Warner Brothers is doing and... I, I think it's a mistake. Well, and, and I mean, hopefully it's the content be, is better than what Arkham Knight mm, had. It's probably going to be Force Awakens content. It'll probably be what have we seen so far? Tatooine, Hoth, Endor, and Sullust. Sullust, yeah. So we know we're getting Jakku. Mm-hmm. So I imagine you'll get one other Force Awakens. Hey, but that's planet. supposed to be the free one, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I imagine you'll get another Force Awakens place, probably a new mode or two. You'll probably get. I don't know, Battle of Yavin. That'll probably be a thing. One of the Death Stars. And then you'll probably get like Naboo or Coruscant or some prequel nonsense. I think I'll just piecemeal it. If I decide that, it, if I decide to buy the game, which I probably will. I'm sure that I will. will. I don't know how long I'll play it for. Right. But ah, that's just, man, a whole nother game almost. Like, that's, that's a lot that's a for lot. me for a season pass. But... I don't know. We'll see. It could end up being better than the initial content. You know, yeah. you never know, but... Maybe it's a single-player campaign. No, it's not. <laughs> if it was, then I'm sold. I would buy that instead of the game. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can't. I know. <laughs> All right. Um, well, with that being said, uh, Battlefront comes out November 17th, one week after Fallout, which is unfortunate because yeah. I'm going to be only invested in Fallout right then. Yeah, so. that's not getting any love. <sighs> Too many games, man. And uh, speaking of that, we're going to get into another game that is sucking our time away yes. right after this break. So, as always, like us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Twitter, and check out ModernNostalgiaProductions.com for all of our links, videos, and articles. We'll be right back. Alright everybody, welcome back. Um, for our final segment today, 
I thought we'd talk about a little game that Blake and I have had the pleasure revisiting, as I hope many of you have also, which is Super Meat Boy. Yes! It just came out uh, on the... Was it out on the Vita before, or did... It was before for free or no for, no like I know it came out on the PlayStation Four this past yeah. week but had yeah. it already been released on the Vita or did it, was it just on yeah it was on the Vita yeah it was okay, on the Vita all right. after so, all the other ones yeah and it had been on last gen consoles which is where you and I both played it for the yeah. first time but uh, it's definitely been fun revisiting that game because that game is controller breakingly hard but it's just so much fun oh, it's so good <laughs> uh you're you're kind of the meat boy expert man like you you plugged all the way through it once oh, already yes. and you're and you're playing it again now that it's been re-released oh, so yeah. what uh what are you thinking about it i loved it when it came out and i love it now i love my platformers hard and challenging and mind-numbingly difficult, which anybody who's played my Mario Maker levels will know. Yeah, I hate, um, I hate you. I don't know why, but I love just, like... I've always loved platformers, so I'm good at them. It's one of the few genres that I'm genuinely like, I can kind of step up to this genre for yeah. just about anything. Um, and the thing I love about Meat Boy is that it's so precise, but it's so fast-paced that like you don't really notice constantly dying because it just resets you yeah there's no loading times there's no there's no bs there's no lives yeah it that is i'm and see i'm the polar opposite i'm terrible at platformers i openly admit that i haven't been good at platformers since i was nine or ten i don't know how i was good at them then but i am just not good at them now but uh super meat boy is one of those that as hard as it as hard as it is, I really am enjoying it. Yeah. For the simple fact that it doesn't, it punishes you by getting harder and harder and harder each level, but it doesn't punish you by making you wait to restart a yeah. level. It's not like, that's one of the reasons that, as much as I enjoyed the environment and the gameplay of Bloodborne, I hated initially waiting 45 seconds to a minute every time I died, which was a lot early on in the game because that's kind of how those games go. Well, and the other thing Meat Boy does really, really well, too, is that it's really challenging, but it always feels doable. Where, like, Mega Man 2 is the good example of, like, the invisible blocks where it just... It's beatable and it, but it doesn't. It doesn't feel as obtainable. Yeah, and it's not fun. I don't. I don't think that. No, not at all. Where Meat Boy, like you can see the ending, you can see the whole level, and like each step of the way, even if it's just like a fraction of a frame, you're like, okay, I'm getting better. I just have to go a little bit faster here and jump here and float here, and then we got it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't overwhelm you. Like there's so many Mario Maker levels that are just like enemies everywhere, and now here's a blind jump, and hopefully you land on the platform. Oh, I put a hidden block there, so you're dead. There's no like traps or i've been calling them betrayals in mario maker where yeah. you, you betray the game by like telling me it's okay to jump somewhere and then and then I you die. hit a block and then can't right. make the jump yeah, yeah. you you're betraying the game right you're betraying my trust as a player to you having made something mm-hmm. for me it never betrays you it's always like the saw is going to kill you that's going to kill you that's going to kill you but there's the path you run on it you'll be fine right and at least what I've noticed through like world, uh, like the first world, the second world, and uh, and I haven't gotten to it in this version, but when I when I played it on the 360 back in the day, like I remember the third and fourth world, it's like there's most of the time there's a slight margin for error, like it's yeah. not it's not a lot, but like you don't ha- like if you're trying to make a jump, you don't necessarily have to make it the first time, like maybe you like hit the wall and jump back like wall jump back up and like try it again like that's the thing about some of those super mario maker levels that i know you're talking about is like there's not any margin for error if you make one wrong move you're not even given the opportunity to sort of backtrack and try it again you're just you're dead that's the nice thing about super meat boy is there's usually not every level but there's usually a slight margin for error where it's like you don't have to be precisely perfect every single time yeah it makes it harder if you're not but you you but you still have recover. the opportunity to get through a level yeah and that's what i that's what keeps me 
coming back to it and not necessarily breaking my controllers as much right. as I would like to. And, oh, man, I love the... It's just such a twisted game. Like, it opens up with them being like, this is Dr. Fetus. He hates you. Yeah. Because no one loves him. So now he's going to beat the shit out of your girlfriend. Go get her, you idiot. And then the first level ends with you him burning down an entire forest. And it just pans past all the dead corpses and then that crying squirrel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's so fucked up but it's so good and then he kills the second boss by like smothering it with the pillow like it keeps coming to life and making kissy faces at you Mm -hmm. and then he just smacks it across the hospital and it cuts back over to it and it's still doing the kissy faces but it's all like battered and bruised and he just takes the pillow and like waddles over to it oh it's so insane (laughs) it's it's got that same sort of uh we talked about we talked about Castle Crashers a few weeks back on the yeah. podcast. Uh, that was done by some guys from Newgrounds, which is where the first iteration of Meat Boy, which was just called Meat Boy, it was a Flash game that was developed by two guys from Newgrounds, yeah. and it was featured on Newgrounds for a long time. and And those two guys went along went on to form Team Meat, which created Super Meat Boy, and. It, it's got that same twisted kind of sick sense of humor that Castle Crashers and plenty of other Newgrounds-influenced yeah. games have had. So you, it's one of those where, like, I, as soon as I popped it in, or as soon as I downloaded it and started playing again, I was like, oh, man, this, this definitely has that Castle Crashers feel where it's punishing at times, but it's so funny and twisted that you can't really stop playing yeah and you feel so good when you beat a level like that's it's just challenging enough that whenever you beat it too you're like yes next one instead Mm -hmm. of being like okay it's over like it keeps you kind of coming back right and the music in it is so good brilliant although it's apparently not the original music in this one mm -hmm. they couldn't get the licensing for their own game i yeah i never i need i need to read more up on that as as to what the reasoning behind that was but yeah, it's not... I don't think any of it is the original music, no. is it? Yeah. But that being said, I remember the original music being fantastic. This this is equally as good uh, f- from what I remember about the original. Like, I still think the music is really, really good in, yeah. in, in this... What do you want to call it? This remastered version, I guess. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good game. It's so little, it's so delightful. How, fa- I, how far are you in it? I'm in level three. I'm just about done with it. The salt factory. Oh, okay. And I've yeah. gotten a few of the warp holes. So I've unlocked Jill, the guy who floats, and Orgo, who just kind mm-hmm. of also looks like Meat Boy, who right. does the double jump. And his warp level was so hard. Really? That was the first time in that game that I've kind of been like, okay, <laughs> enough. Is I, enough. You're. I still can't believe you beat that game. Like oh, I was so You're still the crazy. You're the crazy person. You're the only one that I know that <laughs> took the time to beat that entire oh, game. I will do it again. It's so punishingly hard at times, but yeah, it's so fun, man. I I love that game. And just watching all of your little meat boys die at the uh, end. Yeah, that you said that happens. Like, isn't that like during the credits at the end? Is you see how many you have um, for the entire game? I think so. But whenever you beat a level, oh it'll yeah, show yeah, you yeah, the run through. I, I I yeah, I thought. Uh, but I for some reason, the... I thought you said that at the end of the game, it shows you every single one throughout it the might. entire game. Yeah, it might. I don't remember because that would be a lot. It's a lot. That would be a lot. Um. Yeah, if you haven't played Meat Boy before, or Super Meat Boy before, or even if you have, it's free on PlayStation Plus right, right now. I mean, it's all it's going to do is take up like a gig of space on your yeah. hard drive, and you've got a fun game that you can come back to periodically when you're bored of everything else yeah. you're playing. So, and it also references so many old games. Like every cutscene is a throwback to Pokemon's in there, Castlevania's mm-hmm. in there. Another thing that those Newgrounds guys are great at is like just referencing, making jokes about other franchises and old games because Castle Crashers does the same kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, very so good. So good. Uh, definitely go check that out. Uh, I think it's free, should be free through the end of yeah. the month, uh, along 
with uh, Tim Schafer's Broken Age, yeah. which is awesome. You might as well grab that too because that is another, yeah. that's a fun they're one. They're free. That you, they're free. And they're not even, I know Xbox Live did it this way, but you can just kind of hit download and then it's yours forever, right? As long as you, yeah, as long as you quote unquote purchase it, it's yours forever. You can download it, uninstall it, download it as yeah. many times as you want, as long as they don't take it off of the store PT, God damn it. Right. But uh, yeah, so just grab it right now. Even if you don't download it right now, you, you won't be sorry. Or even if you are sorry, it didn't cost you anything. Right. Huh. <sighs> Well, unless you have anything else, I think that's going to wrap it up. I don't, yeah. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for episode 17 of Two Player Split Screen. You can find Blake at... QuakeBorder55. And you can follow the social medias that he kind of runs. Yeah. Want to plug those? All of those. Uh, Facebook.com slash Two Player Split Screen is the Facebook one. You can go to Twitter at two split screen. Instagram is at modern nostalgia. And I, we also do have a Tumblr for two player split screen that you can find as well. And then our website where you'll find all of these podcasts, both of our shows, uh, our third one, whenever it goes up, any YouTube stuff we have up and our articles that we're trying to get at least three or four up every day. Mm-hmm. So reviews for movies, TV, video games, comics, and just kind of some thought pieces. I know later today I'm putting up my judging comics by their cover uh, for this last week. Yep, yep, that'll go up today, which is Tuesday. If you're uh, if you're listening to this on the day on the afternoon that we post it, uh, if not, just go back out. Just go back and check out pretty much everything that we've written so far. Blake's written a. Amazing Spider-Man number one comic review, an Invincible Iron Man number one comic review. Uh, I ranked the Tony Hawk games. I did my Battlefield. God, my Battlefront battle impressions. I'm gonna do that every time, forever. That's it's so confusing. Damn you, dice. Um, but yeah, so you can find me at the Tie Game on my personal Twitter account and ModernNostalgiaProductions.com. And you should also check out our other aforementioned podcast, the Star Wars Book Club, which we post every Monday morning around 10 a.m. Pacific time. I believe this next episode we will be discussing... The most recent issues of the Star Wars main book and Darth Vader, as well as probably um, some of the TV show stuff. Cool, cool. Yeah, so uh, look for that next week. And keep on gaming, guys. We will see you in a week.